Well, Grassroots, this is week four of our series about worship. We have been digging into what it looks like to broaden our understanding of worship in our lives as we relate to God and specifically as we turn our hearts and affections towards God. We have said that there is a very real element of turning, um, this turning idea that we've talked about, that we need to reorient ourselves so that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And that just like a child at play, we become entirely fixed on him. And instead of asking God to turn his attention to be fixated on our thing, whatever the very real range of that genuinely looks like, our practice is such that we are turned towards him, trusting that he's got us. We've considered that how we develop and grow in our relationship with God is quite influenced by how we develop and we grow in our relationship with others. We've said that there's a great value in understanding our own brokenness in order to have a clearer picture as to why we relate to God the way we do and how we can move forward in health as we learn to let God heal those areas of hurt and brokenness in our lives. And we've discussed the ways in which we engage with God in worship and how that can be understood as a spectrum. There's the private engagement. In relating this to a human-to-human -human space, this is the you and one other. It's the private, it's intimate, it's uninterrupted. It parallels the you and God scenario. It is a safe place for you to just be with nothing external invading that space. And we've discussed the public engagement. This is you and one other, but also the general public. There could be others around. You could be meeting up with a friend. You could be going out on a date. In respect to relating this with our time with Jesus, this is the awareness that you and God are together, and there's something about the private experience that's informing the public, but others are around. And then there's the corporate. It's an extension past public, purposefully gathered with the community of others that are there for the same reason. In terms of our life with Christ, it is very specifically God and God's community. The very purpose of the gathering is the full us-ness of it. And it is at this point of corporate engagement that we find ourselves today. This is the unique and special way wherein God makes a change in us because we are gathered together and turned towards him as one unit. This is where the work that is being done in each of us privately on the other parts of the spectrum, privately and publicly, that's where this, or rather this in, in this environment, that's where this is getting celebrated. And this is where we are encouraged and challenged and equipped in our faith. It is in this corporate environment that we practice with each other the things that we need to carry with us out into the lives that we live. And this is the kind of engagement that is the most reflective of heaven. 
At the start of the series, I made mention of the idea that as Jesus taught us to pray, a very real part of that prayer was that we seek to see things known here on earth as they are in heaven. That the model of kingdom living reflects a paradigm in which Christ is on his throne and his spirit empowers us to live out kingdom values here. Corporate engagement is where we catch the vision of this kingdom. The body of believers is so, something so much bigger than ourselves. And one of the things that I so appreciate about getting to do things like getting out into nature, hiking around here offers this so well. It's the sense of feeling small. Hiking up Mink Mountain, as I mentioned last week, the view you get at the lookout point is vast. It is big. It is humbling. And it reminds me just how small I am. In reflecting on the glacial history here and how it carved out the massive area that is Lake Superior, from that vantage point, you understand, you get a very real and accurate sense of your size and, let's say, importance. I even mentioned it on my Instagram after I walked it. It had an impact on me. Engaging in the corporate experience reminds, uh, reminds one in a humbling way that you are not the central character of the story, both now and historically speaking. Quite likely, our names will not span generations. We may not be remembered. Now, with that said, though, with a kingdom perspective on the we, on the us. This is really wonderful. We get to participate in something bigger than ourselves that will still be here when all of our names have been forgotten. The kingdom is what we yearn and reach for. Having the kingdom set deeply in our hearts. But the body of Christ here on earth now is how it is seen and understood. And though, yes, we are each small pieces to it, we are not insignificant. If you've ever been to um, a game at a large stadium or a concert at a massive venue, you get an idea of this. I saw the band U2 last summer uh, in Chicago at Soldier Field, and I was in that experience. I was in a sea of people. There was no, no one was indistinguishable. It was just this vast sea. Man, we were unified. I've never experienced a concert of that size, I don't think. And if I had the idea that I didn't want to go because what difference would it make? if I were there, and no one would miss me anyway. I mean, there's some truth to that. But if we all had the same idea, you two would not be the music giants that they are in the music industry. We all had to have the sense that we wanted to be in on this, this thing, that we wanted to experience this thing. We each 
by the very nature that we were there, contributed to something that was bigger than all of us. And we are not just contributing to this thing right now, this kingdom, this bigger picture right now, when we speak of worship. This has been going on since eternity. Worship and we-ness. In Genesis, we hear the Creator say, let us make mankind, humankind, in our image. There's already a fellowship among the Trinity happening before anything else shows up. The nation of Israel is intentionally set apart to be the community of God. Their narrative was consistently about a nation, about the we, about that community moving forward together, looking towards God together, coming under his banner together. The day of Pentecost in the, in the New Testament, the uniqueness of the collective we, of the outpouring of God that happened when a community was gathered together. Something like that. Can you imagine if something like that had happened to individuals at each of their homes on their own? It would have been a very different story. It would have been something they needed to have experienced all as one. And God knew that. There was something unique about the gathered community. The projected gathering around the throne as we view it from Philippians 2, where we hold hope within our hearts as we joyfully look ahead to the time when every knee will be bowed and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. But all of that, all of those things is reflective of something that's actually happening right now as well. With John's revelation, we get an understanding that right now there are those in the heavens that proclaim adoration, worship, and honor to the Lamb that was slain. Day and night, it says, they never stop singing Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns down before the throne and they say, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. You are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive honor and glory and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is happening right now. So this thing that we've been invited to both participate in and build into is historical, it's global, and it's eternal. You are a part of the church universal. And that goes millennia deep. Have you ever recited the creed, I believe in God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son? You've all recited the Lord's Prayer at one point. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. These things have been said for years in the thousands. 
When you join your voice and your heart to those declarations, it is powerful. You are building the kingdom forward just as those before you have done. When you worship as a gathered community, particularly on a Sunday morning, but there are certainly those events that are not kept specifically to Sunday morning, but when you worship as a gathered community with the intent of us gathering, Think about how many places on the earth have already been doing that. In, in regards to a Sunday morning, think about how many places on earth have already been doing that as the day hours are, are already behind them in other time zones. You're just picking up the relay baton by the time you begin. But you are also joining this resounding experience with every gathered community here in this time zone all over Thunder Bay in Rock Island, Illinois, where I will be on Sunday morning. You think about the other places represented as well. You are joining them as they worship. Imagine that every time that you gather and turn your hearts and affections towards God, how many others can you imagine yourself gathered with? Not in, your, not in the room that you're in, but on a larger spectrum. When I speak about us, what we are gathered to participate in. I am not just talking about what is happening in this room. We are one small part. However, if we all decided we didn't matter and it doesn't matter whether I join in or not, let's remember that small is not insignificant. It matters. But this is also the place where the transformation in us gets to see that although it does not matter, or rather, although it does matter whether or not I am a part, the weight of the whole thing does not sit on me. This is where we get to see and experience what healthy us-ness looks like. This is where we get to remember the magnitude of it without being consumed by the burden of it. But I love how selective we can get with our sense of importance. We do certain things because we just can't see how it could possibly be done without us. We are so needed for that thing. And yet, we decline participating in certain things because it really, it really doesn't matter if I'm there or not. You matter. You are contributing to this amazing arc of the story of God and his people. You are a part of that. And when we think of worship and the corporate experience and the us, then thinking of Sunday mornings or special gatherings as one-off events, isolated from a larger story, and they're all mutually exclusive of each other, that seems a little silly. But it's perspective. It's always perspective. If we don't get ourselves to the places where the big picture, the large view is available, if we never get up to the top of Mount McKay or Mink Mountain or the Giant, which I can't wait to visit the next time I'm here, we will always only see what's right in front of us and never get a chance to gain a broader understanding of what it is that we are a part of. Our time in public worship 
alongside, among, immersed, and with others is actually not, it's just you and God right now. Because you're here with others. You and God only, that's your private experience. But here, where we come together and we turn our hearts and affections towards God, we are building something together much bigger than we can possibly understand. For a lot of us, this is where the journey began. Stepping into a corporate experience, seeing how people were responding and engaging with God. It helped us see that there really was something bigger than ourselves and that genuine community can be real. For many of us, the corporate collective gathering of God's people was eye-opening and it was something we wanted in on. It was here that we might have heard stories of or even seen, seen ourselves happening in front of us. Life transformation and encountered a celebration of what Christ was doing and who he is. We saw unity among diversity and realized it is possible. We knew that the gathering of the community of God's people with his, with him, with God, God's people with him could be special. The corporate experience, it doesn't have to be big. I do think that there's a certain intentional critical mass to consider. And maybe that's a conversation um, about the church that you guys can all have. But I, I think it is this engagement where you can most lose the inhibiting self-consciousness that we all carry with us. And it's always interesting to think um, in regards to our childhood and who we've become. We became very self-conscious as we grew older compared to who we used to be. The inhibiting self-consciousness amid the engagement of the community while experiencing the presence of God together. This is the place where we can lose that. I think it's a safe place where we can get rid of that. You're all turned towards the Savior. You don't have to worry about what is it that I should be doing right now, I don't know. You're turned towards the Savior. You're relating to him as a whole. And this is a picture of heaven here, isn't it? And when we're turned towards the Savior, the perspectives on our story's timeline, our pain, our grievances, our understandings, our values, they get altered. They get transformed. I believe that we, I believe that we can be afraid of this. I believe that we are afraid in large part when talking about the corporate experience, I believe that we may be afraid of getting lost. Here's a very real concern I think we have about the corporate experience, or at least it is somewhere in our consciousness and it holds us back from immersing ourselves fully in the, in the us-ness. I think we're afraid of losing ourselves. The corporate is fully us. 
And it's immersive and it's unified. That's the goal. And we think if it's about we, if it's about us in that engagement, what happens to me? Here's what you need to know, specifically about the private engagement. That's the place where Jesus sees you. He knows you. And you, as you spend time listening to him, hearing his heart, you experience transformation during that time. And you know it. You can sense it. And you carry that knowledge and that confidence and trust with you into those public spaces we've reflected on. And when you get to the fully corporate spaces, your sense of self does not feel threatened or like it has to make itself known because you bring an intimacy with the Savior that is undergirding what you bring to the corporate. You bring that sense of being known with you, that sense of assurance, that self-confidence. You bring it with you into the corporate. Hear me, you are dearly loved children of God. You do not have to fight for his attention. It is yours as you desire it, as you want it. He wants to show you how much he loves you, how much he sees you, and how much he knows you. You do not have to fight for God's attention. And so when we enter in the corporate experience, we don't have to worry about what happens to me. We get to give ourselves to the we. We are joining a larger, longer, farther reaching arc. When we join with the community, immersing in the we, it is not just this community on this Sunday morning, it is the church, historical and global and heavenly. My desire in delineating these kinds of engagements, the private, the public, and the corporate, is not so we have clear categories, and I apologize to those of you who are type A, who really liked those categories. We're not breaking these apart to be clean boxes and clean categories. But instead, it's so that we can have a range of understanding our experience and helping us have clarity so that we can seek balance and understand the leading of the Spirit in our lives as he moves us through these different kinds of engagements, as he does the unique work in us through these different kinds of engagements. And although I've introduced this um, spectrum in a linear way, I actually believe it's cyclical. And as we practice each one, the private, the public, the corporate, we move along the line and around the circle, relating to God in these ways in an intentional but organic way. Each one must be well practiced. If they are not, we will rely on environment, circumstances, and conditions to guide our worship. But if they're not well practiced, we will also be moved by environment 
circumstances and conditions. They will inform us. And what ends up happening is our worship of God will end up being conditional. But as we move around the circle, we begin to appreciate the tools for worship, but we're not bound by them. I said early on that if all we have is the private aspect of a relationship, it's like having the boyfriend or the girlfriend that you're ashamed of, or the, the, the friend that we don't want people to know that we have. If all you have is the public response, it's like you are in a bad relationship, but you don't want anybody to know. So you put on your public face, but there's, there's nothing happening in private. Or you're just simply going out on dates together once in a while. It's just at that level. If all you have is the corporate experience that you're engaging with, you and God might just be merely showing up at the same party every weekend with no foundational relationship. As you continue to grow in what it means to worship God, personally, with honesty, vulnerability, reverence and humility, sincerity, wholly focused on Him with your whole self, you will see your life transformed. Your private life of worship will lead you to an authentic place publicly in which others get to witness and experience the richness of Christ in you. And as you come together with the community, knowing that God sees you and knows you, you will be able to enter into the fullness of the we, of the us, as God continues to transform us, the church, his body, the church that you have become a very tiny but significant part of, historically, globally, and eternally. I think when Jesus prayed for his disciples and when he prayed for us, John 17 gives us a helpful way to for, uh, frame our corporate turning and what direction we are going in, what our transformation will look like. John 17, verse 20, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This, remember me saying last week that our private experience will, with God will lead others to witnessing and experiencing Christ in you as you move more into the public spheres. 
He goes on in verse 24 saying, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Grassroots, be transformed so that the community of Thunder Bay can witness and experience the love and life of Christ. The book of Romans is one that I've gone back to a lot during this um, series. Romans 12, I would encourage you to read all of it. Um, but I'm going to end with this. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 12. Or rather, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen.